0: And welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Wolf Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me once again. Happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, all the holidays and more, whatever you guys celebrate, be sure you celebrate it safely and you celebrate it well. Yeah, go all out. (laughs) Today on the podcast, we're actually going to be talking about the holidays. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter uh, show, but we have a holiday-centric show. So our first segment is going to be Happy Dog Kwanzaa Christmaka to all. (laughs) Say that five times fast. We're going to be talking about the holidays with your dogs, guys. Important stuff to know about the food, uh, all about some behavioral stuff, the tree, and oh goodness, we're going to cover it all. After that, we have the history of the reindeer and Christmas. You know, I was actually wondering, I mean, I was raised Jewish, uh, but I, I can't help but wonder where in the world did reindeer come from? You know, where did reindeer and Christmas, how did the two converge We'll talk about that. Uh, really kind of cool. Loved uh, researching that. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, and then we'll get back to our normal podcast the following week. Get back to normal. Have all our normal segments. But today is that Christmas holiday special. So I hope you guys do enjoy it. But before we get into that show today, got to give you that trivia question. Today's question is what animal helped inspire putting tinsel on the Christmas tree? Yes, what animal inspired putting tinsel on the Christmas tree? I will give you the answer to that somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around. Sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak It Dogcast, Happy Dog Guanza Christmaka. <laughs> Happy holidays, right? Happy holidays to everybody, whatever it is you celebrate. Always a fun time of year for most of us. (laughs) Maybe some of you don't like the family coming in town. And, uh, you know, hey, there's there's ups and downs to it all. But the holidays, you know, any of the holidays, for that matter, throughout the year, statistically speaking, it is more likely that your pet can get lost during the holiday time. Now, July 4th does tend to be, and I know we're talking Christmas, July, but July 4th does tend to be the holiday where most pets go lost. As a matter of fact, between July 4th and July 6th, 30%. 30% of the lost pets in the entire year are lost during that two, three-day period. Crazy, right? Um, Wow. That's in the United States, of course. You know, it's our July 4th celebration with all the fireworks. Any holiday with family coming over, you know, statistically, we've got loud noises and doors being open and opportunity. Bad things can happen with our pets and they can get out. So this is a great reminder for everybody to just start right there. Let's start with the lost pet things, people coming and going, deliveries, strange noises, maybe you're traveling with your dog. Your dog is going to a strange new place. You got to make sure your pet's tags are up to date. That's the first place we just you got to start there, guys. Make sure your pet's ID tags are completely up to date. Second thing we got to say is of course the the microchip. Let's make sure your dogs are microchipped and on top of that, Let's make sure the microchip information is up to date. You know, you do have to go to the websites and uh, update that information to make sure it's logged. If you've changed your address recently, maybe you moved like six years ago and you just haven't thought about it. (laughs) Uh, Something to think about, a good reminder right now, go check your pet's microchip information and make sure that it is completely up to date. Um, You know, tags and microchips, guys, it's the best way to get your dog back. It's the best way to, of course, a microchip because it can't fall off unlike a tag or be removed or any of those, you know, the microchip and the tags guys, it's it's the simplest, easiest thing to be able to, of course, identify your dog and to ensure that your pet might come back to you. Okay. So just where we have to start with that. Also, again, if we have people coming over, let's make sure you tell your guests, you know, we talked about this at the Thanksgiving episode and not to be redundant, but it is important. Not everybody has dogs. Not everybody's in the mindset of they need to be careful about the front door, and for that matter, cats too, right? I have a cat. let have to talk about the cats. They're more likely to to um, go unnoticed, right? Cats tend to be quieter, and they might slip out the door more unnoticed than a dog. So don't don't be like don't be hesitant to just remind your guests. Hey, by the way, don't forget we got pets here. If you wouldn't mind, just make sure all the doors are closed. Okay, if everybody's keeping an eye out a lot more likely those doors will stay shut. And that's the biggest way that we're going to keep our pets inside. Look, really, I, I I think the the biggest thing of pets getting out is people just not paying attention. I know, I, it's, it's it's negligent owners and negligent guests. That's just the truth of the matter. Uh, so do have a talk with everybody. Just tell them, hey guys, let's make sure those doors are shut. Hell, put a damn sticky note on the door. I mean, if it's ensuring your pets stay inside, do what you got to do, you know? All right. So let's talk about all the other stuff. How about the trees, guys? Christmas time and trees with pets. You know, y'all have been on Instagram and you've seen the, <laughs> the crazy contraptions and, and fencing and all kinds of stuff people come up with to keep their dogs and cats away from the tree. Look, there's some training that can be done here. There is. Let's just teach our dogs a leave at command. How about when the tree is going up? When you're actually putting the tree up if your dog looks interested in the tree, that's the time to start redirecting that focus. Tell them, hey, go on, you know, go lay down. Maybe give them a bone. Maybe give them something to occupy them while you're putting the tree up so there really isn't in- any interest in it because they think it probably is going to start there. People don't even realize their dog is watching them put up this crazy thing and that starts the interest. So it's good while you're putting up the tree to redirect your dog's focus. I know it doesn't seem like something you might connect the dots with, but it's true. If your dog is sitting there watching, 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 and it kind of builds and builds, and the second you walk out the room, they go to explore, problems galore, right? Hey, that rhymed. Uh, (laughs) So when you're putting the tree up, make sure your dog is occupied. And again, I know it sounds silly, but go for a walk with your dog before you put up the Christmas decorations. So they're more apt to be tired and not even care what you're doing. The less of a big deal you make things, the less of a big deal it is to your dog. Right, like pretty straightforward you think about that one. Uh, so th- again, it's all about redirecting your dog's focus away from the tree and rewarding when they give up on it. Okay, so if your dog is showing interest in the tree, hopefully you've already taught them maybe a go on command. We've talked about that one in the past eight. Hey, go on kind of means go on, right, give the tree space, go away from the tree, give whatever I'm telling you, go, okay, or leave it. Those are two commands combined that can really go a long way toward teaching your dog to leave the Christmas tree alone, okay. Uh, We've never had a problem uh, in our household. You know, my wife, we we put up the Christmas tree, and I put up the menorah and the Christmas tree together, (laughs) and uh, it's never been a problem in our household, even with visiting dogs. Sure, I've had dogs show interest, but we train, we redirect, we reward when they leave it alone, okay. People don't really think about, oh, I've got to train my dog with the tree. Yes, a a tree is a training opportunity for (laughs) for your dog. That's right. Anything can be a training opportunity if you look at it correctly. All right. So think about making this into a training opportunity and not just putting a fence up around it. Okay. Cats are a different story. I'm not, (laughs) I don't even want to get into the training of cats to leave the tree alone today. We're not going down that road. Uh, Let's stick to the dog stuff. (laughs) Mostly dog centric here as it is. But yeah, you know, cats, put up the fence, guys. It's easier. (laughs) All right. So trees can fall, though, either way, even with human beings, right? You just bump this thing, though. You bump it the wrong way. It's going to fall. Don't forget to tie the trees down, guys. Most people, you you know, we're we're kind of learning this. Tie the trees to the wall, okay? Put a string around, some fishing line, something like that, and pin it into the wall, nail it into the wall. Uh, Use a picture hook, something. Get the tree secured. Really, really important. So when the you know, accident inevitable accident will happen that somebody's gonna bump into it or a dog will bump into it. It's not going anywhere, right? <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about something else that people may not think about. Live trees. Live trees and watering them. Seems simple, seems simplistic. David, what where is this going? Sometimes people recommend putting different substances and chemicals or whatever into a tree, like, you know, to, to feed the tree. They think, you know, they think we need to add something to make it grow better. There's all kinds of, you know, like oh, I mean, I don't know if they're old wives tales, but you know, people, people say to put all these different things in the water to prolong the life of the tree. But some of these things can actually be toxic for your pets. Like, like some of the additives are even sold with the tree, you know, add the packet, add the water. Some of that stuff can be really bad for your dogs, guys. Uh, like, like straight up toxic. So if your pet is able to get to the base of the tree and lick up the water, we could have a harmful problem here, you know. Um, so please be mindful. As a matter of fact, I love this because I looked this up. The National Christmas Tree Association, yes, they say that the best way to keep a Christmas tree hydrated is plain fresh water. No additives, nothing else. Adding aspirin, soda, bleach, corn syrup, sugar, preservatives, they say it's actually all unnecessary and in fact can be detrimental to the health of the tree. Uh, A lot of these things will decrease the moisture retention and increase the loss of needles. So, you know, we think we might be helping out the tree with all these, I mean, really? Like aspirin, soda, bleach, corn syrup, oh gosh. Guys, just put water in the damn (laughs) thing. You don't need it to live for five years in your house. Put some water in it, plain, fresh water. It's not going to hurt your dog if they drink it or your cat. And as a matter of fact, that's what you're supposed to use, according to the National Christmas Tree Association anyway, the NCTA. <laughs> All right. So uh, think about that, right? Now, the other thing is with these live trees, some of them might be treated with chemicals and the chemicals can leach into the water. I know it can seem a little far-fetched, but I, you know, you read some of these things and it's kind of crazy, but... Crazier things have happened, right? So, this is where the leave it command comes in again, guys. I just prefer to really teach our dogs to just leave the tree alone. So, just be cautious that there's something to think about. Now, ornaments can be dangerous. We all know the broken ones can shatter, can be eaten into pieces. Again, leave it command, teaching them to go away from the tree. If they start playing near the tree, maybe say, hey, uh, 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 go on, let's take the toy, throw it away from the tree so they go play over there, right? Okay, let's just be smart and logical about this. Now, tinsel is another decoration. We're gonna talk about tinsel in the next segment as well a little bit, or excuse me, on our trivia question, what am I saying? That's what the question is today. But the tinsel, guys, come on, tinsel. You really want to be pulling that from your dogs behind? No. (laughs) You got to be cautious of that stuff because, I mean, they can just slurp it down like a piece of spaghetti in no time. So watch your dogs, watch your dogs, and please train your dogs. And of course, the best way to head all these behavioral problems off, proper walks. As always, guys, proper walks. A lot of times when they're getting into trouble, you know, when your dogs are finding trouble, going into the tree or places they shouldn't explore, it's because they're bored, Yeah, So make sure you're uh, giving your dog, look, it's Christmas break. For those of you that have kids, your kids should be out walking your dog. Everybody should be taking a turn walking the dog over Christmas break because, you know, you're going to have family, you're going to have presents and trees and all these distractions and things that can be harmful. And if your dog is exercised and properly stimulated, they're less likely to get themselves into trouble. So don't forget to exercise your dog, guys, because that's really one of the best ways we can head this stuff off, you know? Um... So what about the holiday plants? There are holiday plants we do need to be cautious of, uh, you know, cats and dogs, both, right? We have, we have a couple plants that can be harmful, okay? Uh, amaryllis, mistletoe, pine, balsam, holly, cedar, and pine, they're all common holiday plants and they all can be problematic. Poinsettias, right? We've talked about, but you know, everybody knows poinsettias can be an issue. So be mindful, keep these flowers, keep these plants out of reach from your pets okay? Candles. How about candles? Candles, you know, there's all this research that arguably candles are bad for us. Just that alone, like the toxins, that's not even what I'm talking about today. How about them getting knocked over? We all want our house to smell like a beautiful, wonderful Christmas tree, but when we have kids, when we have dogs, when we have, you know, I don't really love candles anymore for multiple reasons. Uh, You know, I got to plug the diffusers again. My wife uses the oil diffusers, and I have to say, the smell is really nice. They're not pungent. It doesn't smell chemically. It's natural. Now, of course, we're not going to talk about our essential oil use. (laughs) I'm simply talking about for scent, to get a nice smell in your house. You can make it smell like a Christmas tree way better Way better, because it's a natural oil. It's derived from whatever it says it is, right? It's not this fake, candley thing. So, just from a scent perspective, I prefer the um, diffusers, and if a diffuser gets knocked over, not lighting your house on fire, is it? (laughs) And also not spilling hot wax all over everything. It's just water and oil. Awesome. All right, so, Food always comes back to the food with the holidays. We got to talk about food a bit. You know, look, I'll try to just run through it because we talked about food at Thanksgiving. But we've got to remind ourselves, guys, bones. That's the first place it has to start. There are a lot of bones on the holidays (laughs) between Thanksgiving and Christmas. uh, There's a lot of turkeys and ham and all kinds of stuff being eaten that can potentially have bones. No bones for dogs, guys. No, no bones. I have to say it over and over. Please don't give your dog bones. They can splinter. They can get stuck in their throat. You know, I've seen it where small chicken bones can actually get lodged in a dog's throat completely sideways. Oof, it's dangerous stuff. Like, oh, terrifying. I don't want that to happen. Just don't give your dog's bones. And of course, this is another perfect example to remind your guests. Don't give your dog's people food, okay? Not good, especially the bones. All right, xylitol, we gotta talk about xylitol again. That uh, xylitol is that artificial sweetener. Really toxic for dogs, really bad stuff, okay? It is spelled X-Y-L-I-T-O-L. X-Y-L-I-T-O-L, xylitol, okay? Look for it on labels. Peanut butter, That's that's one of the most common ones that I always have to throw out. Peanut butter, a lot of name brand peanut butters are actually using xylitol instead of sugar now. Hell, you even know, instead of corn syrup. Uh, I'd rather have corn syrup in it, honestly. <laughs> That's not gonna potentially kill your dog. You heard me right. Xylitol can potentially kill your dog. Enough of it, you know? So don't mess around with it. I just, I, look, I, I just on the side of peanut butter, I buy natural peanut butter. Jif, Peter Pan, uh, Skippy, they all make a natural peanut butter. Okay, those are like the big brands out there. And if it says natural on it, flip it over, look at the label, and it'll say it's made with sugar, not xylitol. Okay, so that's that's what we do in our house just to avoid it. Occasionally, we got to give pills with peanut butter. So, you know, it's good to make sure you have one that doesn't have that in it. All right, so please be cautious with the holiday season and xylitol. Alcohol. Guys, come on. Don't give your dogs alcohol. I can't believe I even have to say this, but I do. I do have to say it. Don't give your dogs alcohol. They're not meant to have it. Clearly, it's bad for them. Please don't do it. <laughs> Okay. Oh my goodness. So let's also take some other things into consideration. guys. if you're traveling with your pet and you're going to stay at a family member's house that maybe doesn't have pets and they're being nice enough to allow you to bring your dog, that's amazing. First of all, it's incredible. Second of all, make sure you dog-proof the house a bit. You know what I mean? Look, if you've got a younger breed, a puppy, a mouthy dog, maybe a dog who doesn't uh, know how to not get its nose into things and mouth into things, Ask your your host uh, to make sure medications are put away out of reach, right? A bottle of medication, dog with the right mouth could chew through it, need it, um, kids' toys. Let's just think about this stuff logically on what your guest's home is like, the fact that they're not used to dogs being in the home, and there could be things that are potentially harmful for your dog that you need to maybe, you know, figure out. So just food for thought on that. Make sure you're taking into consideration your dog's environment this holiday season. Really important stuff. Um, and, you know, hey, be grateful if you have somebody that's watching your dog for you. That's an amazing thing and very helpful sometimes when you're getting out of town. So thank anybody who is being wonderful enough to <laughs> to watch your beloved pets because that's just, that's the way to do it, right? Um, anyway, Look, holidays are a lot of fun. It it really is, but it's also a very distracting time. Make sure you don't forget about your dogs and make them a priority. And, you know, one of the biggest preventative measures you can do to keep your dog safe is exercise and stimulate them, guys. Make sure they're in a good state of mind to handle the chaos and everything going on during the the holiday season. It's going to help keep them safe. And, of course, make sure you update those microchips and dog, collar, the tags, you know, make sure your pets are wearing them the whole time this holiday season, especially if you have guests over. And of course, remind your guests, keep the door shut, keep a a, a head on our shoulders, and let's make sure we're all helping watch out to keep our pets safe this holiday season. I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday, a merry Christmas, and stay safe out there. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website www.thenatureoftraining.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak Dogcast, the history of the reindeer. Now, we all know that the reindeer are synonymous with Christmas, but it wasn't always this way. Now, there was the creation of a particular reindeer in 1939 by the name of Rudolph, and he came to become the symbol of ma- the magic of Christmas, and he became known all around the world. That's what shot the reindeer to superstardom. But what was the original concept of Rudolph? Where did it actually come from? It's kind of up for debate. You know, there was an early 19th century poem about eight reindeers pulling Santa's sleigh. That could have been it. There's also a reference to the Norse legend of Thor. You heard me right, Thor. Now, Thor was a god that transported in a chariot. The chariot was pulled by horned goats. Now, the ancient Norse word believed to mean horned animal was Reindeer. Easy to see the connection there uh, that this could have been derived from the Norse legend of Thor. Now, reindeer, they are from the world's Arctic and Subarctic regions. And they're also, you know, like reindeer, they're a caribou. They're called a caribou, right? And they do have a long history of being used by humans for thousands of years. So we're all familiar with Santa's famous eight, eight reindeer, right? We have Dasher, we have Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen. Although these are a relatively uh, modern troupe of reindeer, they first appeared in literature in 1823. However, for centuries, reindeer have actually been very closely associated with Christmas and winter festivities, particularly in Eastern Europe and Scandinavia. Now, of course, there's, there's reasons for this. Now, pagan mythology, pagans love the reindeer, yes. And during the Middle Ages, when pagans were converting to Christianity, their customs ended up becoming a part of the Christmas celebrations. The reindeer came to symbolize creativity and knowledge while also bringing luck in safe travels. The idea that the reindeer brought people home over really harsh terrain, well, that likely inspired the popular story of Father Christmas. It's kind of cool. Now, the uh, reindeer have actually been domesticated since the Bronze Age, and they've really proved themselves to be just an invaluable asset. In the West, species has actually always been thought of as kind of this elusive, mysterious kind of creature in the Northern Hemisphere, and uh, you know, their antlers, because of this like mythological uh, uh, view to them, their antlers were thought to contain uses uh, for nutrition and medicinal supplements. Now, today in many cultures, reindeer antler is still considered as a highly effective natural remedy. Now, well, then the idea of Santa Claus as this kind of you know overweight jolly um, red wearing character—that's a little bit more of a modern invention. But there were similar characters that actually can trace their roots back to, well, the pagans and early Christian beliefs. So look, you know, when the early Christian leaders were looking to convert all the pagans to, uh, to to Christianity, they thought it would actually be good to try to combine some of the pagan traditions and holidays with Christian beliefs. So Germanic and Nordic people, they would often celebrate the winter's solstice as a tribute to the god at the head of their pantheon. So the character of Santa sort of comes from the god Odin. Now, Odin was a fatherly type god, a mythical hunter, and he would lead his warriors on wild hunts during the winter solstice. He would also do so on the back of an eight-legged horse named Sleipner. Children would then leave boots filled with hay and carrots for Sleipner, and Odin was said to leave them gifts in return. Over the years, these ideas would merge, uh, clearly converging on Saint Nicholas, and the idea of this jolly Saint Nick would form, and boom, There it is, Santa Claus. (laughs) Now while characters resembling Santa would circulate around the world for a long time, it wasn't until the 19th century that the idea of him uh, being pulled in a sleigh behind the reindeer came to be. Now it was this time in America, and actually the sleigh came first. uh, Speaking of, the sleigh actually came before the reindeer part. So it was this time, right about the 19th century, early 19th century in America and England, there was this renaissance happening of Christmas celebrations. And there was a period of puritanical opposition to the holiday, and so this was kind of coming out of that and celebrating it. Washington Irving referenced Santa Claus, quote, riding over the tops of trees in that self-same wagon in 1812 with no reference to any kind of uh, horse or, or reindeer or anything pulling the wagon. Okay, so there's actually been a lot of research done into this, and then nine years following that, there was the very first association known between reindeer and Santa. And they were referenced in a poem called A New Year's Present. The deer are not mentioned by name, and it's really only a brief mention with one single line. The author remained anonymous, but the poem's publisher revealed that the author had learned of reindeer, thanks to his mother, passing down indigenous stories of the creatures. That's kind of cool. Two years later, the mythology of the reindeer would be even further expanded. The poem, I heard of it, The Night Before Christmas. This was written by Professor Clement Clark Moore. Now, originally, he actually only wrote this story to entertain his daughters. He was even hesitant to submit it to a publisher because, well, quite frankly, he just kind of thought it was a little silly. You know, it was just this story that he had written for his kids. But in, it, it, he was so much so worried about this and in, in, in his uh, reputation, uh, you know, as a professor of ancient languages, that he actually published the poem anonymously. Now, the poem became a giant hit. And the eight reindeer that he talked about, they'd be recognized by members of Santa's crew for a very long time. Of course, we all know that there was the first eight reindeer in the story. But it would take almost over, actually over a century later, before they added the ninth. That would be Rudolph. And interestingly enough, Rudolph came about from an advertising campaign. Right? Look, soda manufacturer Coca-Cola, they had found great success in the 1920s by releasing a holiday ad featuring the jolly old St. Nick drinking a Coca-Cola. Any of you out there, yeah, I'm sure most of you listening to this have seen that advertising campaign. Isn't that crazy? It's been since the 20s that that has been a success. And I don't know if you, side note on Coca-Cola, I don't know if you're aware, but I mean, they spend more money on advertising than any other company and look at their brand, right? Um, incredible, <laughs> really. Other other brands could only uh, uh, dream of what they've done, so they created that. And building off of that is uh, success. Other people tried to emulate it, right? So Chicago department store Montgomery Ward they saw the potential, you know, in drumming up business with Christmas. So they actually asked copywriter Robert L May to create a character who they could feature uh, in free coloring books that were given out to the kids during the holiday season. The character that May created and designed, it kind of came from his own personal experience. He was bullied as a child, and he had always envisioned this reindeer whose unique glowing nose would offer some way to save Christmas. The character of Rudolph, of course, was a huge hit. Ward wrote a few poems to accompanying it, and that just helped it explode. There was a movie, multiple movies, a song, of course, we all know, merchandise. Just so much came from the character of Rudolph. Over the years, they did try to introduce other members of Rudolph's family, apparently a brother named Rusty and a son called Robbie. I mean, i never even heard of him. But, of course, they never reached the level of success that Rudolph did. So it's kind of incredible to see that. I mean, my gosh, can you think about this just giant timeline of reindeer and human beings thousands of years ago in the Nordic countries in the Arctic, and they just have this working relationship. Thousands of years later, here we are with this cartoon with a glowing nose. <laughs> symbolizing the epitome of friendship, love, and hope, right? I mean, that's that's what it's all about. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy how it all, thousands of years in the making, Rudolph the reindeer, Santa and his reindeer, uh, really cool. So it, it, I just, again, you know, I've said it before, I'm a history guy. I love history. And this stuff just fascinates me that over thousands and thousands of years, this is how we, you know, how we got here. Really, really neat stuff. I mean, I think it is. <laughs> so again, guys, I hope you have a wonderful, happy and safe holiday. The answer to today's trivia question, what animal helped inspire putting tinsel on the Christmas tree? It's the spider. Yes, we all think of the spider being associated with Halloween. However, they actually come to play a part as a Christmas symbol now a folk tale from europe uh mostly often most often from ukraine and germany actually says that there's a story that goes like this a widowed mother is too poor to decorate her christmas tree so friendly spiders spin an elaborate web all over the tree so when the mother and her family wake up on christmas morning they open the curtains the sunlight hits the webs, turning them to silver and gold. The family from then forward had good fortune, and so there you go. Um, incredible, and so you'll actually even oftentimes see spiderweb Christmas ornaments that are often from this time, uh, that part of the world and those cultures. So really interesting that tinsel is meant to represent spiderwebs. <laughs> That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, go ahead and do so. New episodes come out every Wednesday morning. Follow me on Instagram at DogCast. Have a wonderful, safe, and happy holiday. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.